This week's episode contains numerous examples of child abuse, some instances of self-harm, and suicidal tendencies that may be triggering for some. It's okay if you need to skip this one. Do what's right for you. This is Unsilent, a speak series from No Stigmas that champions mental health advocacy and challenges the stigmas that prevent people from getting the help they need. I'm Eli Lawson, a producer for the show. This week, No Stigmas Elizabeth Notstein will be having a conversation with, well, my mom, Morella, a mother of six and a fiercely strong, compassionate woman. We'll take a deep dive into Morella's past and see how it relates to ACEs, or adverse childhood experiences, how the discovery of the ACE test changed her life and the immense power of resilience. Thank you for being here. If you want to learn more or contact us, visit nostigmas.org. Don't face it alone. Be unsilent. All right. Well, hi, everybody. I'm Elizabeth Claire Notstein, and I'm here today with our guest, Morella, and we'll be talking about ACEs, what those are, and her experience with them. So, hi, Morella. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm a little sick, though, so mm. sorry about that. Oh, good. <laughs> this is the place to be exactly as you are. <laughs> All right. Well, it's not COVID. I just wanted to say that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> What's that? Have you been feeling crummy for a while or did it just like... No, no, just since yesterday. I was hoping I'd feel better when I woke up today, though, but I was not. Oh, well, this is a good place to be. Just like chill. We're going to have a really casual conversation. Um, the point is to have just like really easy chats about mental health and... Um, I think this is going to be a really great episode for a lot of people. I know in prepping for it, um, I learned a lot about um, adverse childhood experiences that um, aren't part of my story, but um, I'm definitely interested to hear a bit more about you. So why don't you just start by, in a nutshell, um, talking a little bit about yourself and um, how you arrived at No Sigmas. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I currently am... 38 and I have six kiddos, um, Eli being my oldest. Um, I'm, I'm going through my second divorce and um, it's been a rough one that's kind of uh, bringing up some of the issues from my past, which I would directly well, we'll talk about them when we when we talk about the aces. Um, and um, I, I really felt like when I found out about aces that I had kind of discovered this gold mine for um, what I had experienced and how I could overcome some of the issues that I was now well thought that I was stuck with. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm. I'm here because I had a really hard life <laughs> and but I have six six little people that I have to keep going for mm. so that's great I mean I'm really glad you're here and sharing your story too because I think we don't talk about childhood stuff enough um, and later in life usually like you're saying it gets triggered at some point and then all of a sudden you're looking at like how do I thrive right now? Like in some days, it really is about surviving. I think so. Um, all right. So for those who don't know what ACEs means, it's like the test for um, using like a metric system to decide like what um, experiences you had as a child and what you might be like predisposed to as an adult. Things kind of creating the cycle. Um, that's not a very good definition. <laughs> like I'm do it as well, but. Um, if there was a way for you to define it, um, how it's meaningful to you, how would you describe um, what ACEs means? Yeah, so I guess very basically the definition is that there are 10 categories that both uh, pediatricians and uh, psychologists uh, agreed were the 10 most traumatic things that could happen to someone from ages 0 to 18. And there are lots of different things that can be within these categories, but there's 10 pretty broad ones. <clears throat> so you would answer the questions as, you know, you would get a point for if you had experienced it or not. And 10 would be the maximum that you could have. 
and um, I took the test and I had 10. <laughs> so I, I was, and that's not, um, <clears throat> I, I don't know how common that is, but I do know that when you have a, a score over six, then um, it, it starts to be problematic as far as health issues and mental health issues that you experience that often times they're finding kind of rear their ugly heads like in your 30s so you can you kind of can get through um feeling okay and then all of a sudden you have problems like you can't get out of bed you have fatigue issues you start having skin problems or nightmares or just thyroid problems like so many different uh things so um yeah i don't <laughs> Yeah, that, I think that's a great way to um, describe it. And we'll have to get like a score of 10. That's not a test that you really want to score high on. But do you think, right. like, so when did you take the test initially? So I found out about it, uh, um, I think about three or four years ago. It's kind of, um, I can't remember for sure, but it was at least three years ago. And I, um i had a friend who was going through therapy and she was doing the um uh, the one where they bring you back through your childhood experiences and, and you have to like pick a safe thing that walks through those experiences with you mm -hmm. and she was telling me about how she had this bear that was walking through all of her childhood experiences with her and now she had this bear that was with her whenever she um was experiencing issues now so she said that her therapist had recommended a book called um oh god now i can't remember the name the name of the book because i'm on the spot but it's Nad nadine <laughs> burke harris <laughs> Um, but the point the point of the the book is that it was by Nadine Burke Harris and she um, is now the Attorney General for California and um, she is just a wealth of knowledge um, on the subject and she discovered in her um, her medical practice that so many kids were having health issues that other doctors were kind of just overlooking or saying were regular um, kid problems like ADHD and shyness and all sorts of things. And she just went on this um, trailblaze to figure out what ACEs were about and how they were affecting these kids so that she could try to prevent the problems that they were going to experience later in life but also address the things that she was seeing in her office so mm -hmm. i read this book which is called the deepest well by the way okay. <laughs> um and i just couldn't put it down like i i had got it well i had got it on audible and so i would go to the gym and and just um run on the treadmill and listen to the book when i finished it i listened to it again when i finished it i listened to it again um, and then I tried to find every book that I could on ACEs and I, um, I was excited because I had found what I thought was the answer to some of the problems that I was experiencing. But what I loved the most about her book and the way she presented ACEs was that she did not present it isolated from resiliency. And so, um, she actually talked a lot about how you shouldn't even take the ACE test if you don't take it alongside the resiliency test because you you don't want to um, get yourself in a spot where you feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And I feel like there needs to be more of that um, because then it's like, yeah, that, that to me, I'm just wrapping my head around that moment that you like scored really high and like what that would feel like if you also weren't looking at the other side of the coin like the fact that you did survive it and that you are here and that like resili resiliency score so i'm curious to know like at the moment that you like got your test results back or did you do it at the therapist's office or like how does one take it just on google or yeah i mean you could just i took it out of the book because mm. she 
goes through it in the book. So I was like running on the treadmill and like giving myself a score. And then I ended up buying the book so I could see and highlight things and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you can just go on Google and, and take it for yourself. It's, it's supposed to be extremely um, accessible now so that people have that information for themselves. That's great. So then after you, you scored and then you, um, you simultaneously were looking at the resili- resiliency as well. And then, so what action did you want to take after you got that information about yourself? Um, well, for me personally, I, I think that I, I wanted help for the ways that I was locked down about those things that had happened to me. So, um, I think there were health health problems that I was experiencing, mm-hmm. um, but I had already really kind of come through them at that point. So for me, taking that ACE test and, and then the resiliency test was kind of an aha moment of, wow, I, I really had that locked down. I knew, I knew that all of that mattered. Um, so I don't, I know Eli has to cut all this down, but um, uh, I, really. I, yeah, like, I, I want to backtrack to like, I guess it would have been a year before, may, year, maybe two years before I took the test. And I, um, I went to, I, I was doing the Google and I mm-hmm. found out about this, um, this disease not really a disease i it's like a thyroid disorder called wilson's temperature syndrome and it seemed to uh match pretty much everything that i was suffering as far as health problems went Mm -hmm. like i i just had constant fatigue and adrenal problems and we couldn't figure out how to uh, fix them i spent thousands of dollars per month getting iv drips and um, like staying off coffee, never even looking at sugar, like just trying to do all these things. It was like, yeah, I could have a pretty good life if I had no fun whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, And when you have six kids, like you need fun, like you need to be able to put them to bed and have Oreos. Like that's, it's not fair. Um, so I, I had gotten to the point though, where just, I don't, partially my marriage, partially my um, childhood. Um, But I had had several years where every single day was a a fight for my life. I, um, I would get to about 10 days around my period. And um, like, I'd just be hiding in my bathroom, like, begging God for the strength to not kill myself, because I didn't want my kids to walk in and find me. Um, But that was month after month after month for for a couple of years. And so I, I found out about this Wilson's temperature syndrome. I found um, they have a website where you can find doctors in your area who treat it because so many doctors don't recognize that it's even a thing. Um, and it's really just treating the thyroid with the T3 hormone, which is not all that radical. It's just that doctors don't want to do it. Um, so before I went, I just wrote out this like 20 page history of my life starting from when I was born to that day and I plopped it in front of him and I said listen I don't I don't even know if I'm going to be here next month like I'm done I can't I can't do this anymore I can't feel this way anymore I'm really hoping that this therapy that I found will help me if you'll do this for me but I really think that this is this is important that you should see this um and he read through it like power read through it while i sat there and he was like wow thank you so much for for doing this 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 really does tell me everything that i need to know i know exactly how to proceed now and i promise you that you're going to be okay we're going to get you on some things like hormones natural stuff and you're not you're never going to feel this way again um and so he did the T3 treatment with me. He put me on progesterone, which is our happy hormone, which 
when you are going through traumatic things as a teenager, um, especially girls, their progesterone just does not rise the way that it should. So um, like one of the things that's happened to me is that I've had over 20 miscarriages because you have to have progesterone to sustain the pregnancy before the placenta does. Um, so, you know, he put me on progesterone, did this T3, which is also kind of a happy hormone and cured this anxiety that I had had daily, like panic level anxiety since I was 12 years old. And so for four years now, I don't have anxiety, like to the point where it annoys people. It annoys my family. I'll say that I have anxiety, but they're like, oh, you're just <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't really have anxiety. <laughs> I'll be like, everything's fine. Everything's going to be fine. But that's not who I was before I, you know, went through that treatment and, and really just told that doctor everything that I had, had been through. And sometimes it's not an easy fix for people, but because, um, because I had taken the ACE test alongside the resiliency test, I was asking questions like, if I've been through this trauma, this amount of trauma, if, if, if this amount of trauma should have killed me or I should have killed myself by now, mm-hmm. what is it? You know, why, why am I still here? Why am I still standing? Why am I actually living life every day? Why am I actually raising kids who are decent people and who other people want their kids to be around? why am I capable of doing that? Um, and so that's why the the resiliency test is so super important. So I guess oh, just a little plug here. There are some websites that you can go to where they don't offer it alongside the resi- resiliency test. So I guess I would caution people mm-hmm. against those. If, you, if, if someone is just offering you the ACE test, it's, it's scary. Um, if you don't, if you don't take it alongside the resiliency. Now you could take the resiliency test and realize that you're screwed. (laughs) You don't, like you didn't have anything in your childhood that built resiliency or you had like one thing and it was not very monumental. Um, In which case then, yeah, you have a lot of healing to do with someone who is trauma informed, but. um, Mm -hmm. But yeah. In my. Like it informs you either way, and there's a little yeah. bit yeah that yeah. Wow, I'm so grateful for that doctor. I mean, I got like chills. me too. <laughs> yeah, that is such like a lifeline for someone to have said that to you and to take in this take have taken the time to read that and to just like look you in the eye and say yeah like that's never you're never gonna feel like that again and to take you saying all of that really seriously and not just like another patient, another patient, another patient. I mean, that, that must've been like the catalyst then for you to start advocating for yourself and growing and taking control. So did you feel like you had a lot more agency over your life and um, making decisions? Yeah, I, um, I think the most important thing that he did after he read it was he just, the very first thing he did was he, he put it down and he said, um, you know, he said, thank you for sharing this with me. But he was like, I'm, I I just want to tell you that I'm so sorry that all of this happened to you. This, none of this was, was okay. And I, I'm going to remember all of this when, when I'm treating you. Um, and, and one of the one of the reasons that that was so important to me and this is super personal and I don't know like if we can cut it if it's triggering for other people but I was um a part of a really uh reformed and uh conservative evangelical church and this doctor also was a super flamboyant gay man who brought his little dog to the office with him and I just wasn't um, like, I didn't necessarily think that, I mean, I'm not going to go into all the theological things, but that for me was so 
precious and special and it also broke me free of a lot of things that were you know keeping me in bondage in in my life so i had this this man that i wouldn't have necessarily had interactions with um and like just being a part of my church all the time Mm -hmm. and he just was so (laughs) like open and wanted to share my pain with me and that was I, he, he really just kind of changed my whole path going forward, not just with my health, but like who I decided that I wanted to do life with and um, who I wanted to spend my time helping. So um, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I really wanted, I just wanted to say that, that I'd been through so much therapy and people would say to me, like, you cry during the parts that you, you you cry during the parts of your story that are just like meh to be honest like in like in the realm of trauma and then the parts where like we're sobbing you are just like yeah and then this happened to me so mm-hmm. i really um i really appreciated his comment and who he was because um i felt like that i I know that because of his demographic, he has also gone through major trauma. And I know the people who see the people who have been traumatized now. We, there, it takes that kind of community to bring out this awareness for everybody else. Mm. Um, when we're squashing other people's, <laughs> who they are and their trauma, then we're really squashing everybody's because we're just trying to be strong. So, um, okay. So points on the ACE, what, mm-hmm. sorry, what was the question again? It was, uh, well, I guess like, cause any, now anybody who's like watching this, that's interested can like pull it up and look through some of uh, the, you know, the questions and like, how would you like score on them? Um, so just cause out of my own curiosity, if there were, um, a couple of them that really like stuck out to you as like really critical or um had like the most impact a lot of like things kind of entangle and are comorbid but um yeah there were a couple that you wanted to just like dive in a little bit deeper for those experiences i think it would definitely help me and anyone listening of like well what does what does that trauma actually mean and what does it look like Um, and what language do we use to describe it okay um so obviously we're all different and the things that are going to impact us are going to be different um so these are all just my personal opinions but um things that are fact are that there are three categories of the ace test that the doctors have put them in and it's abuse neglect and household dysfunction um so abuse is physical emotional and sexual neglect is physical and emotional household dysfunction is mental illness incarcerated relative mother treated violently, substance abuse, and divorce. Mm -hmm. So when you think of, when a lot of people think of childhood trauma, they really are thinking like someone getting beat or um, molested. But there, there are some that I, there are some categories or questions here that I would say are, not that those things aren't bad, but that the things that happen that are smaller shouldn't be uh, pushed away as as not important because a lot of times those are the things that really are the things that are hurtful. So the very first question is, before your 18th birthday, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? Um, So, you know, like, acting in a way that makes you feel like you might be physically hurt is like a no brainer for people. But how many, how many of us were never actually hit or we never thought we were going to be hit, but our parents were swearing at us or telling us we were stupid or fat or whatever it is. Like, you're not going to amount to anything. I, I can't believe that I'm your parent. I like, I have kids and I, I would rather throw myself off of a bridge before I said that to any of my kids. Uh, But there are so, like, I remember 
my mom saying things like that to me or even like my her brothers and sisters my aunts and uncles or mm. um that's so harmful I mean you don't think about it because you're like well well it, it didn't physically hurt you right so it's like that's not really abuse but it, in fact it, especially if it's like a cumulative like that would be right yeah, I can't wrap my head around that because I'm actually expecting my first child. In, you know, I'm like 33 oh, weeks pregnant. <laughs> like, congratulations. I'm trying to wrap my head around like that's really messed up. It's really messed up. So those are things that like yeah that heard as a child. Yeah, and just like like one of my um, a memory that I talk about a lot because I have three girls. Um, and not that boys aren't susceptible to this as well, but um, I, have, I have three girls and the first is from my first marriage and two are from my second marriage. And so they have different body types and they look differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a I have a memory that is just etched in my brain forever, which did influence uh, disordered eating and and cutting and other things during my teenage life of I I saved my money and went to the mall and bought myself a pair of those plaid stretchy pants that were in style for a while back when I was a teenager and I was so proud because one I had bought them with my own money and two oh and without my mom there like I just went with my friend Mm -hmm. and two I had a bigger butt than my sister and I was like wow I feel comfortable wearing these and I'm like it's okay like this is my body and she maybe I thought maybe she would look better in them but I was still gonna wear them so I I wore them for a couple of weeks and then one day I came out of my room and my sister came out of her room and she was wearing the pants And I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, mom gave these to me. And so I went to my mom and I was like, what is, what is going on? Like, those are my pants. I just bought them. And she's like, oh, you just, you know, you just don't have a body like your sisters. So they look a lot better on her and and you shouldn't be wearing things like that. Oh my God. And I... Again, like I look at my daughters and I'm like, I would never say that to one of them. And it's not even that I would never say it. It's that I just don't even think it. So let alone you action on it. Right. Um, And so I think that, and and this is kind of a tangent then, because I, now I, I, I think that also ACEs kind of inform like how you, relate to the people who have hurt you as well like Mm -hmm. now I think because I'm in a better spot I think who the hell hurt her Mm. to make her treat me this way like and I was her adopted kid her her other two kids were her her birth children okay and she was just atrocious to me but um yeah like who who hurts you so that you then go around hurting small children what makes you the kind of person, what happens to you that makes you the kind of person who would do that? And I've had those thoughts a lot as a mother and even more so after I learned about the ACEs. Now I'm constantly like applying them to the the people who have hurt me in my life. And I wonder like, yeah, what their trauma was. But I do think that words have great, great, great power and being physically abused is a horrible thing um, and then I would also say that you're not often physically abused without being emotionally abused at the same time, like normally mm. people are. But then I will say that I, I was a double, I was a double yes on that one because mm. my mother also just beat the crap out of me um, for years and years. So, so I did have both of those, but I would say that mm. probably the thing that was the most harmful that people don't think about is just those little things that you say. If my mother had said, just isolated, oh, you don't have a body that looks good in those pants, it still would have been, 
as harmful mm-hmm. had I not experienced the physical abuse and, and other things. You just, yeah, I don't know. Were you aware of like if she was treating your sisters and if your siblings the same way or what did you feel like it was targeted on you? Oh, that I mean, that's a really long story, but it was absolutely targeted on me. So she, yeah, she very much, uh, she had lost a child. Um, well, baby, she, she had lost a, a, a baby. Actually, I think she was kind of, she was sometime within the first trimester, but I think it was later and it was, um, it was traumatic for her. And she had my little sister. So she had brother, lost a baby, little sister. Um, and then I was adopted right in between them. So it was almost like I was adopted as the missing child, which I think she had, um, Mm. psychological issues around. And my dad was really the one who had wanted to adopt me because I was a family member of someone that he had, he owned a business with. So Mm. it's kind of a complicated story, but, (laughs) um, yeah, (laughs) yes. If you or someone you know is experiencing a crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org for support via live chat. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, please call 911. Other resources are linked in the show notes. Yeah. Wow. So in your healing process, I'm curious to know, like, how much understanding or compassion do you feel like you can have towards like that generational trauma or whatever like someone else's traumatic experience how it like trickled down and impacted you um you know because i i wrap my head around it and i think i don't have that experience but i have an experience with intimate partner violence and with that individual i see the abuse of family i see the impact of someone being a result of a lot of trauma and a lot of childhood bad childhood experiences and it's hard because you don't ever want to excuse behavior especially when it like deeply traumatized you but like so how much compassion do you feel like you've had towards the people in your life and what actions have you taken to address that with them or not? Um, okay, so this one might go off a tangent. So bring me back to your original question if I forget, please. Mm-hmm. Um, but first of all, I'm sorry that you have experienced that. And that is awful. Um, um, I am also the reason that I'm getting divorced now is because of intimate uh, partner violence. So um I would say that it's influenced my compassion in positive and negative ways. I think that I went, uh, I went on with the violence in my marriage for far too long because I knew where it was coming from and had compassion. And, and I was hopeful that, you know, if he got therapy, then he could heal and he would change. Um, and it wasn't me wanting to change him. It was just me living my own experience and knowing that there is healing if you if you really want to get into the trauma of your past. And I was excited and, and hopeful for him. Um, so there's that aspect of it. Uh, the other is that I think that even though I have that compassion and I and I understand that, like, I know my mom had a terrible childhood. Um, but so, okay. So I, I got rid of the anxiety with this doctor, but I still was having problems with fibromyalgia. Like I just, my body was in pain all the time. But after I got rid of the anxiety, um, I actually tri- took a trip to see my adoptive little sister who lived in Germany. My dad took me to go see her and her family. Um, and after we visited her, we we stopped over in Paris for three days, just my dad and I. And 
I finally told him everything that had had happened um, in my childhood. And and he was always traveling. So he he was really just trying to get away from my mom as well and was just very absent. Um, and I get or well, you know what? I'm getting my timeline mixed up. This was this was before this was before I had the anxiety treatment. It was actually right before. Mm. Um, because it ties directly into this story. So I told him everything that had happened and he just, he's like, I, I wish you had told me because I would have gotten you, I would have gotten you guys out of there. Mm. Now I don't know about you guys. Cause like my brother and sister were very much a part of the problem at that point. Um, but also because of my mother's influence, but, um, you know, he's like, I would have gotten you out of there and, and I would have protected you and um and I told him I just I don't really want to be here anymore a lot of the time it's really it's really hard for me um and and he said two things one I think that you're so wonderful and I and I hope that you'll stay and the other thing was why do you still talk to her why is she a part of your life? Why is she a part of your children's lives? Um, and I was like, wow, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Because yeah. I don't, I don't talk to my birth. I didn't talk to my birth mother. She was crazy. And she would try to parent me at 30 years old. And I was like, I don't know you. I didn't grow up with you. And you chose to do heroin instead of be my mother. So like you don't get to have that opinion but yet i was doing the same thing with my adopted mother i was letting her have this place in my life and these opinions that um that she didn't earn mm. um so i got home and i didn't talk to her for probably i guess over a month and i had gone like i talked to her almost every day mm. and i finally just wrote her a letter and it basically just, I said, I know that you've been hurt as a child. I, I don't know your story. I know some of the things you've told me about how your dad treated you. Um, you haven't really been open about a, a lot of other things, but I will say that it was your responsibility when you adopted me to bring me into your home and treat me like you treated your other children and to raise me up as your child that you loved and you didn't, you, you abused me and you, um, you took out your trauma and your anger on me and that's not okay. And so while I'm extremely sorry for the pain that you suffered as a child, I do recognize now that the way that you treated me was still not okay. Mm -hmm. um, and in my head, I'm thinking like, I don't treat my kids that way. I didn't write that in the, in the letter. Like I didn't want to be like Lord, how I do things over her, but it was just very much a, it stops now and it should have stopped then. And I'm not ready to talk to you. I'm just telling you how I feel when I'm ready to talk to you, then I will contact you and tell you when I'm ready. <clears throat> so that was years ago now. And she hasn't tried to reach out. And, um, but the wow. cool thing. I'm so proud of you for writing that letter. That must have taken so much strength and courage. I literally just took, we live across the street from a state park and I just, they have, there's an amazing playground there. And I just took my kids and was like, play, play, play. I'm going <laughs> to write this letter. And I sat in the sun and I just, cried over this notebook and and I didn't I didn't plan I didn't even edit it when I was done I just wrote just like stream of consciousness and I put it in the envelope and um I am not <laughs> lying or exaggerating when I say that the moment I dropped that letter into the mailbox all of the pain in my body went away and it has never come back since oh every ounce of it I know, I know. Wow. And it was just that I had been holding it in and making excuses. And I finally had this opportunity to say to her, I see you. 
I see the pain that you've experienced, but it still doesn't make it right that you put it on me. So I'm very sorry for you, but also you don't get to do this anymore. And you don't get to deny that it happened. Mm -hmm. And that for me was like, I would say that that whole experience was a product of, of ACEs and, and what happens when we don't recognize that we have this childhood trauma, we hold it in our, we hold it in our bodies. And some people's experiences are not that dramatic, but since mine was like, I now am on this (laughs) mission (laughs) to help other people (laughs) figure out how childhood trauma affects their lives. Mm. I'm so grateful to hear your story. And, you know, like you said, I'm unbelievably like moved and sorry that you had these experiences and it's unimaginable really. Um, And that's what trauma is, you know, it's not supposed to be comfortable. It's not supposed to be easy to talk about, but I mean, I'm really, really grateful that you took some time today and shared it with us because I really think there's a ripple effect. It's like you're saying, like the mission of sharing that and helping people understand that they're not alone in it and that they're is always some sort of hope. There's always some sort of way that you can break a cycle, you can change things, you can change your perspective on things, whether or not anyone else does is almost beside the point, you know? Um, so I think I learned a lot today. So thank you so much for sharing it with me. And um, if you have any like resources and any of the books, um, I know I kept thinking yeah. about the score. So I don't know if you read that one or not. But that's like a huge resource and I really am interested in checking out um, the deep well or the deepest well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure we'll have some that we can just put any of the resources that you want to share with people because a book literally it just can change your life. And I'm so glad that you were able to start doing that care for yourself and that it just really kickstarted this whole thing. you seem like you're a really badass mom and <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> you're next. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Woo-hoo. I'm excited. Surrounded <laughs> by other moms who, you know, have some real life experience, you know, and it's just, I, I know that motherhood is going to be both like the most amazing thing, but also like, it's going to bring up a lot of obstacles and triggers for me as well. Um, but when you're taking care of yourself, like you can totally do it. Yeah. So thank you so much, Marilla. It was so nice to chat with you. I, I feel like looking at the clock, I'm like, I could talk another like three hours. On this. <laughs> the, the last, thank you, Marilla. Thank you so much for your honesty. Like truly, yes. I have chill, chills and I just think that what you're saying is so impactful and I'm so happy you're sharing it with those stigmas. The only last question I had was, and Elizabeth, if you want to facilitate, just really all these I really want to bring back to advocacy and you mentioned being passionate about like this is why you're you're talking to us today so maybe Elizabeth can we guide like just a nice bit on you know how do we advocate those who live through trauma those who didn't those who see kind of in our talk with Elizabeth we, we said the same thing you know where there are allies around you how do we be how are we able to be allies you know all of that 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 kind of yeah yeah, just yeah yeah great um so Marilla you talked a lot about like having a mission to want to like let people know your story and that they're not alone in it um and it sounded like you had a couple of allies along the way or people that could have been allies um so briefly do you want to just talk a little bit about how we can then whether we're personally um affected with like a high ACEs score, or we know somebody, how can we be advocates for them? Yeah, so I would just say be be present and um, be open. Um, the reason I talked about the doctor the way that I did was that, you know, being a part of um, a church, when I would talk about my pain, a lot of people we're just like, well, you need more Jesus and you need to read your Bible more. And God takes all of this pain. And then I, you know, went to this doctor who 
as I, I just know because of our society as a gay man, he's, he, and he was older, like in his sixties or seventies has lived a lifetime of that pain. And so he just, he was like, I, I see this, I get it. I, I, I could see in his eyes that he had experienced many of the things that I had written about in that paper. I left with him. I didn't save it on my computer. I don't have a copy of it. I left it with him. I said, you keep it. Um, And so I think that's how we can be allies. I didn't talk a lot about the resiliency test, but the resiliency test is all about allies. It is who did you have in your life as a child that you could talk to, that you could go to, that you felt safe with outside of your family. Um, And the reason that I can even, you know, go on this path and help other people and tell my story is because I had those people that who were my allies. Um, I even my childhood therapist was like, if you can just get through if you can just get through your childhood and turn 18 and go off to college and get away from your mother, like just hang in there. Like there wasn't really a lot that anyone could do for me, but um, it's, it's that like, sometimes it was just that she gave me the strength to just like, I, her word said, it's, it's really not you and you're Mm -hmm. a fabulous human being. And if you could just, just get to a place where you're not in her clutches, then Mm -hmm. you can go off and be who you were meant to be. Just hang in there. Um, so I think that that's how we are allies is we listen to the people in our lives who have a story to tell. It doesn't matter how small the story or how small it is compared to our story or how big it is. You, you have something to offer someone, hope to offer someone who has a, a way huger, grosser story than you do. You just be present. Um, mm. If you are knowledgeable about, like one of the things that I did uh, after I read The Deepest Well was look at the suggestions for the other books that Audible put up. And I read an amazing book that is very compatible with hers about the actual scientific ways to heal trauma. Mm -hmm. And so one of those is smelling coniferous trees so Mm -hmm. they've they've uh (laughs) i happen to live in the middle of the woods and i live at the top of a trailhead and um i go for walks but you know what i do for people who don't live in in those kinds of areas if if i can afford it if if i know that they're suffering they did do studies showing that in concrete jungles you can use the essential oils of Mm. the coniferous trees and it works very much the same you're just breathing in that sense so I will send my friends like juniper oil and (laughs) so there are so many ways to be an ally you just say I think I see you and I hear you and you know sometimes we're busy but I'm I'm here for you I think people just need to know that someone knows that's what I've learned in my adulthood (laughs) i think that was the perfect answer oh my gosh and now i just want to go out like walk in some trees and you have to (laughs) to. (laughs) (laughs) i love that well thank you i mean it really shows how allyship can save someone's life and i'm looking forward to supporting you more as you're sharing your story with no stigmas and i'm just so glad that you're here so thank you so much (laughs) thank you for having me (laughs) <laughs> i love that oh my gosh that was my mom is like i'm gonna call her and say you <laughs> plugged your essential oils <laughs> she's gonna say well you know shoot that's her i'm a white i'm a white christian woman like that's what i do that's her jam listen i'm still fighting a corn on my foot and she's like you should put you gotta put you gotta put xyz on it and i'm like oh my god well just so you know they were used long before we went wacko with them so listen to your mother i know she's it's when you said that i was like oh brother I'm just glad that they I'm glad that they weren't as popular and mainstream when I was when we were growing up because I'm only a little I think we're all sort of in the same like 
I'm on the younger side, but we're all kind of the same. And my mom growing up was like, didn't believe that depression existed, didn't believe that anxiety was a thing. Mm. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad she discovered the oils yeah. at this point because now they fix everything. But to fix everything, okay. you have to admit <laughs> that everything exists. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, here's this for this, 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 this. I'm like, okay, now you know that there are things that actually happen. Totally. <laughs> Anyways, um, Marella, thank you for being with us. Thank you for giving Eli to the world. He is an... Yes, you are so welcome. Absolute, I miss him tremendously, but... <laughs> he's absolutely phenomenal. I We just had our Friday meeting, and Jake sat in, our, our founder, and I just... Uh, He's so talented. He's so smart. He's so compassionate. I mean, just, I can't say enough. I'm genuinely cannot say enough about him. I'm so happy that he, he came across our, um, our path. Like he just randomly reached out and I was, and Jake's like, yeah, meet with this Eli. And I was like, okay. And I just knew, like, I just, we, I just, yeah. Anyway, I just want to say that. Yeah. You did oh, some good mom. <laughs> you. You're welcome. And also, are you in Seattle? I am. My stepsister's there, and I told Eli just now, like, she's there for, like, 20-something years. Yeah. Mm, I love Seattle. I'm sorry. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't do it with the weather. I, I mean, I can't do it with the weather. Daylight savings does me in. People are really hard, too. No, she's, like... she's a good one. She's uh, she, We're from Louisiana, so she's, she's real. Okay. What I you guess. see is what you get. Like, you know. But, I need um, that in my life. Yeah, she's super cool. She's like a like an edgy science teacher and doesn't follow any of the rules. Like she gets in trouble. Nice. nice. But uh her husband's a chef, so he's all into like the food scene up there. So oh my but goodness. he's the he's also he has like a rock band in the basement and he's like 42. So yeah. Oh my gosh. He's not like the pretentious chef. So, anyways, tangent. But um, oh my gosh. They're cool people. I think you guys would actually really get along. <laughs> like, well, send her my way. I will. Tell her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, um, anyways, yeah, this is awesome. I just, I mean, I hate to be, I, every episode we filmed, I'm like happy how it goes, but then the content is like heavy and I feel really awkward saying I'm happy how it went. But I'm very thankful for your story. And I'm, Elizabeth, you did a fantastic job guiding the conversation and um yeah i'm just i'm glad the two of you got to meet as well because um yeah so let's please like stay in touch if yeah okay well, <laughs> you got it yeah <laughs> but um yeah well eli's connected to us so you can't get away now so okay yeah. all right <laughs> Fine with it. but um anyways yeah we'll, we'll keep in touch and um I, yeah thank you guys so much and have a great friday it's nighttime here but have a good uh, day elizabeth i'll see you soon I'll see you soon. <laughs> we have to do some more work. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you so You're much. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. I don't know. Oh, there's the leave button. Okay. I got it. <laughs> this is Unsilent. Thank you for listening. Today's episode was hosted by Elizabeth Notstein and produced by me, Eli Lawson, Lansport Alone, John Panacucci, and the rest of the incredible No Stigmas marketing team. Special thanks to Morella for sharing her story this week and being so bold and open about her experiences. Love you, Mom. To go beyond the show, connect with us on social media or visit nostigmas.org to learn more about mental health topics. Please leave us a five-star review and share with others wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. New episodes of Unsilent come out every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Finally, remember that whatever you're going through, you don't have to do it alone. Be Unsilent. We'll see you next week.